I don't want to share someone else's thoughts. I want to create my own original thoughts. I want to create my own original solutions. I want to look at situations and come up with my own phrasing, my own words, and do it my way. This is the John Taffer Podcast. Shut it down. And this is John Taffer. Boy, I wish I could speak like that. <laughs> so what's, what's interesting is, is after an episode, he can only do like a couple of, of hours of that, and, and his, his throat hurts. One second, Corey. Oh, I love that sound. Oh, yeah. A little strawberry basil today. Having my Taffer seltzer. And I must say, out of the seven flavors, strawberry basil is still my favorite. First and favorite. Mm-hmm. I like it even more than Taffer's original, the elder, elderflower one. Yeah, that's got to be my favorite, too. Or the grapefruit's good, too. Yeah, you like the grapefruit. I know that one. Anyway, so it's a strawberry basil day for me. This is actually uh, one of my favorite days of the year. I love Veterans Day. So I want to tell you guys a story. Uh, boy, I'm guessing it's around 1988 or so. Uh, military clubs became, um, they lost their non or their appropriated funds. And what happened was years ago, prior to the 80s, uh, government taxes were, were supported military clubs. Now, military clubs you might picture as a club, but uh, it's not a military club. It could be a fast food restaurant. It could be an enlisted man's club, an officer's club. Uh, uh, and they're run by, uh, for example, in the Navy, it's MWR, Morale, Welfare, and Recreation, and they run all the restaurants, the food courts, the recreational facilities. They, in essence, do everything that, that affects a, a military life other than the military itself. And their mandate is to uh, provide a quality of life to our soldiers, our sailors, and our Marines. And uh, so in around 1986, don't hold me to the exact year, Corey, but around 1986, the U.S. government changed its laws, and U.S. military lost appropriated funds from Congress to support military clubs. Mm. So what happened in the 80s was all military clubs now had to become profitable. So think of a base as a department. There's two or three clubs, two or three restaurants, a food court, maybe, you know, an outdoor field, the daycare. All this stuff is run by this morale, welfare, recreation department. Well, now they have to close everything that doesn't lose money. Each base must make money. So unfortunately, a lot of these places were losing money. So uh, in the 80s, the United States Navy, who was the largest military club operator in the world, they had about 1,200 at the time, did a national bid uh, for a year to find a company that they would hire to write their manuals, redo their concepts, and train them how to make money in the business because they had never really made money before. They were about serving, not, make, not serving and making money. Well, about eight or ten companies applied for this thing, and it was a whole long proposal, as well as my company, Taffer Dynamics, applied for it. And we were granted the contract. So my company, Taffer Dynamics, in the late 80s, we worked for the Navy, uh, and Navy MWR, which is Morale, Welfare, and Recreation, and Marines, who are, of course, a division of the Navy. And I toured Navy bases all over the country, and I would read these documents that were created by the Navy and the Marines called Leisure Needs Surveys. And it was fascinating, Corey, because when I did this work, I learned how important morale, welfare, recreation, how important these things were to our soldiers, our sailors, and our Marines. Yeah. So in that work, we, we did all these manuals and systems. We created concepts for them, and we rolled out a whole new program uh, in the U.S. Navy. Now, I've never had the honor of serving, but when I was offered this contract to be able to go on Navy bases, I had a, a Department of Defense card that I carried mm-hmm, yeah. so I could get through the gate, and I'd stay in officers' quarters on base. Oh, wow. And in the room was a little book, 
And anybody who had stayed in that room signed a little book, and there's uh-huh. congressmen and senators and stuff in the book who'd stayed in the room that you're in, and we'd stay on the bases. And I could walk on the ships. I could talk to the guys. And my purpose was to understand military life so that I could develop programs that would serve them and be profitable for the Navy. So it was an incredible experience for me, but it was most unbelievable was uh, was to get to know the guys and the girls, I should say, because uh, uh, the, the sailors, the Marines were unbelievable. And it created a connection and affection that I've had for the service ever since. Then over the years, of course, Corey, I've worked with the NRA, the National Restaurant Association, not Rifle, everybody calm down, <laughs> with the National <laughs> Restaurant Association. Right. And we used to do a lot of events for military culinary teams and, and soldiers. And then years ago, we created something where, where we went to a couple of military bases, Fort Hood was one and some others, and we gave away turkeys and holiday meals. And we got companies like Fridays and P.F. Chang's and Walmart to sponsor it, and it was pretty incredible. And I'll tell that story briefly. We decided that we wanted to give away turkey dinners to 500 veterans, active service people. Mm-hmm. So we went to Fort Hood in Texas. We put together a bunch of sponsors, and companies like Fridays and P.F. Chang's stood up. And we called Walmart, and we said to Walmart, we want to give away 500 turkeys to our military, and we'd like to make it a, a full dinner. We'd like to give them a vegetable, you know, and right. some, some green beans and, and, and some rolls and bake it a nice dinner for them. Could we work out some type of a discount for you? Walmart said, we'll call you back in just a few minutes. They called me back in in 15 minutes, gave us 500 turkeys, 500 vegetables, 500 uh, 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 frozen rolls, and 20 local employees. So we got a hotel to donate a meeting room right across the street from Fort Hood uh, for free. Uh, A Walmart 18-wheeler pulls up in the parking lot. All these Walmart employees come out. They have the blue Walmart bags. Walmart was unbelievable wow how quick it happened and how how deeply they jumped in right away and you know i remember that and i've always had an affection for the companies that stepped up that day i mean of course if i can buy something from walmart i will yeah because i remember how quick and how easy the decision was for them to just jump on board and help and Every corporation that was involved in it, you know, nobody got local recognition. It wasn't about that. Mm-hmm. Everybody stepped up to help these guys. Okay, so now it's the day of the event. We have tables set up all over the meeting room, and some of the dollar stores gave us gifts, and the deal was that any military wife could come, take 13 gifts for every child she has, wow. and pick up her dinner. So they come into the room, they're crying, their husbands are deployed, right? Or wives are deployed. And mm-hmm. some of them is the third and fourth deployment. Some of the service people came with their spouses and they were in wheelchairs and limbs were missing and it was heavy duty. We cried all day long. We had shopping carts that the supermarket had lent us and, and we would take all the toys that they picked out and the turkey dinner, we would put it in a shopping cart and one of us, myself and the other volunteers, I remember Kenny Ruff was there and, and uh, from the liquor companies and all these restaurant companies, we all sent people there. We would take the shop, shopping cart and, and ride it out to their car and help them load their trunk with, with the toys and the food and invariably they would start crying. And what was amazing to them, Corey, it wasn't that they got a turkey dinner. It wasn't that they got the toys. They cried and were touched at the fact that I went from Chicago all the way to Texas to be with them. And I realized it was the physical act of caring that meant more to them than the turkey, meant more to them than the toys. The fact that we were there and we cared meant so much to them. 
They cried. We cried all day long. Corey, it was nonstop tears all wow. day long. It was the most one of the most memorable times I've ever had. And, and <clears throat> you look at somebody who sits in an office in Washington, D.C. as an administrator, and they can make $120,000 a year. Oh, yeah. And I'm watching these military spouse come through this program. They have no freaking money, Corey. <laughs> I mean, they're struggling to get by. They might not have that holiday. And these are working military, right. people who are defending our country. And they have less resources uh, behind them than a person who sits at a desk in Washington. And, you know, that was when I became hooked on helping veterans, is when I saw that just because you're in the military, doesn't mean that you're making a decent living. Doesn't mean that your life is working for you. It's not. So on this Veterans Day, I've learned to thank veterans for service, but I've also learned to thank them for sacrifice. And that's a really important difference. Service can be enjoyable. Sacrifice rarely is. Yeah. And these guys sacrificed in their service. They did things they did not want to do on days they did not want to do it and go to places they did not want to go to. And learn about stuff they did not want to learn about, but mm -hmm. they did it. Yeah. And that is a sacrifice that every one of us has benefited from. Discipline. Sacrifice. That's why Veterans Day is one of my favorite days of the year, Corey. I love watching them get recognized. Yeah, so I, do I. I love seeing a smile on their face. I love seeing people thank them. I love yeah. all the posts online of just people saying thank you. So today, for a really special show... I wanted to reach out to some fans who had friends or family members that are veterans. And the idea was, let's get a fan who can give us the phone number of a veteran, and let's just call the veteran and say thank you, talk mm -hmm. for a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. And maybe bring a little joy to a veteran, maybe have a great conversation or two. But certainly the whole purpose of this is to recognize our veterans and hopefully make a couple feel good today. So, Corey, the first person who called in to us was Carrie. And Carrie's boyfriend, Chad, is an Army veteran. He served 15 years and did four tours during Desert Storm. Jeez. Four tours. I want to tell you a quick story about Desert Storm, if I can. During Desert Shield, which happened before Desert Storm, I got the idea with a couple of friends of mine because these guys were over there and they were deployed for months and months at a time and recreation was a real problem for them uh, uh, over, overseas. So I created something called a sport, a structurally portable, operational, recreation tent wow that's a good acronym <laughs> and what i did we called it a sport unit and what i did is i, I we got a standard barrack size tent i reached out to holiday inn holiday inn provided us with 28 fax machines and this was you know before big internet and a service person could take a picture with a friend fax it to the local holiday Inn. the local holiday Inn would call their family and they could come pick up the fax which would oh. have handwritten stuff in it people didn't have faxes at home in those days and then i got perlick the beer company to give me draft beer systems but we can't have draft beer in saudi arabia so we had draft root beer Oh, okay. <laughs> and I got the NFL. I was involved in the NFL at the time. I got the NFL to provide us with football signals. So we had football 28 fax machines, a bar with root beer, tables and chairs, and it was a sport unit, structurally yeah. portable operations reacquaintance. I worked my ass off on this for, for six months to try to do this for the guys to come through for them. And I worked with a gentleman whose name was General Joy, who ran MWR for the Marines. So we put the sport unit together. We shipped it to Norfolk, and it was going to ship out of the, the Navy base in Norfolk. And I'll never forget it. This was during Operation Desert Shield. And the unit is about to ship. 
And Holiday Inn has commercials saying, Holiday Inn here when you need us. And, and everybody was just so incredible. And the sh- sport unit is in its, tr- in its con- you know, container with all the equipment. It's ready to ship out and be installed. And we have three of them. Structurally portable operational reaction, re- uh, recreation tent. I get a phone call four days before it ships out from General Joy who says, John, oh, and by the way, I had to go through the USO because you can't give something to the military. Right. Only the USO can. So I would give it to the USO, and the USO then gave it to the military. It's sitting in a container. It's on the base in Norfolk three days before. I get a call from General Joy. John, I'm sorry. The sport unit's not going to ship. We just got our orders. Logistics has moved to beans and bullets. I'll never forget that as long as I live. And that's what the general said to me. Our logistics have changed to beans and bullets, meaning... And I didn't realize this at the time. A few days later, I realized that Desert Shield became Desert Storm uh, two or three days after that. And obviously, all the supplies shipping out were not about recreation. It was about beans and bullets. So the sport unit never shipped. I have plans for it somewhere in my file and such. But Mm -hmm. it was just another example of me over the years trying to do something for for our service people and, you know, loving them and respecting them as much as I do. So Chad served four tours during Desert Storm. And I understand he's a huge fan of Bar Rescue. And his Carrie, his girlfriend, and Chad are both bartenders. Well, they used to be before COVID. So I want to give Chad a call, Corey. Let's just surprise him and give him a call. I want to thank him for his service on Veterans Day. And let's see if we can bring a smile to his face. All right, let's do it. Ring him up, buddy. Hello? Chad, John Taffer here. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, it's me, buddy. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. What the heck is going on? Well, put the chainsaw down. Hell. I hope you're wearing safety goggles. Are you wearing safety goggles? <laughs> of course not. Oh. Well, I'm on a farm. <laughs> uh, put, the, put the saw down and talk to me for a minute or two. How are you, buddy? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, I was talking to Carrie, who uh, freaking adores you, buddy. And uh, she told me. Uh, she told me about your 15 years and four tours in the Army, buddy, and Desert Storm. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, you know. Desert I, Storm, Afghanistan. Wow. Yep. So so when Good did time. you get home? When did your last tour end? Uh, my last tour ended in uh, 2012. 2012. So you've been home now for, for about eight years or so. How was eight your tra- years now. Yeah. yeah. How was your transition to How civilian life? Uh, yeah. Not as easy as possible, but you just make do as you can go, you know, through life, basically. That's how I feel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I got into the bar industry. <laughs> I heard you and your wife were bartending, and then the pandemic took you, took you guys down, huh? It took us out like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. And well, the good news is we this is going to end. This pandemic is going to uh, end, yeah. buddy. So yeah, I want to ask you a story. <laughs> Would you tell me the story of the first time you went to battle? you mind telling me that story? First time? First time. Sure. That first, th- first time was Desert Storm, Desert Shield. Uh, uh, oh, geez. I got it. Well, I, list, I enlisted in 89. I left to go over in 90. I was over there for two years. Wow. Oh. Uh, I mean, it's just the typical, you know, I was an... Trans- 80 Mike 10, I was transportation. I all, I drove stuff from the rear to the front lines. Yeah. You know. Were you scared? Um, Were you scared that first time? I was scared, definitely shitless. Because yeah. <laughs> I, you know, 
I thought I was going to be a college kid, and <laughs> that, yeah. that all changed quick. Sure it did. So, so because I actually, I actually, I actually was going to be a reservist, and I came home to go back to school, and I was actually in school when I got the phone call that my unit got called up. Wow. So when you so, when, when you think about those first battles and the guys that you were with, did you tell each other you were scared, or did you hide it from each other? Oh yeah. So, I mean, it only depends on who you were with. Some people you could say it to, but like people that you became close to through your unit and yeah. through the time with being with those guys, yeah. you can open up to anybody. If you're scared, you're scared. I mean, it's going to happen. Right. So is so, there a, you know, you know uh, I'm trying, uh, Chad, to, to have our listeners understand what the experiences that you've gone through a little bit. Is there a story that you yeah. could tell me about a moment of heroics that you saw from another soldier or just is there a moment or something that you can tell us that is something that has stuck in your mind these years is is a great moment for the army or for a person or for yourself yeah a great moment for the army it's just everybody being there for everybody else not just you're not there by yourself everybody's there to be there for you you always have your battle buddy next to you they're always got your back and it's black, not like civilian life where it's a free for all. Yeah. Black and white doesn't matter so, with, with your with your buddy, does it? Oh my goodness, no! I mean, I had a guy named Kelty. Uh, he was a private first class uh, when I was even in basic training. Uh, black man. I was bunked with him. He was from Macon, Georgia. Greatest so, guy I've ever met. Yeah, I bet. Still friends to this day. I bet. So, I mean, you never look at black and white issues. You don't look if you're Spanish, you don't, you know, because you always, it, it's your life, and, you know, so you always want to have that other person's back. And you're, tr and you're trusting so, your life to that other person. It's the deepest relationship I imagine you could ever have in some ways. Exactly. I mean, you can't, I, you can't, people can't get the gist of how much you need that other person. Yeah. I mean, even when I was driving convoys, uh, I had a guy named uh, Dan Tobias, nicest guy in the world. Uh, now, I've lost touch with him over the years, of course, but he always was there for me, too. You know, we'd get up, you know, you basically, it was like a marriage. <laughs> yeah, it is like a marriage. So, yeah, but it's deeper in a way. Yeah. Do you think it's that, a lot deeper. <laughs> do you think the military is respected today as compared to the late 80s, early 90s? Do you think civilians and, and uh, just respect it more or less? Now? I think the military is uh, excuse me, respected, respected more now, and I will say this under this current president, than years past. Yeah, I sense we've that got, too. Have, we've had so much done for us. I mean, even with being a vet, you know, the veteran, you know, going to the VA and stuff, how, you know, it's a 91% approval rate. Which is fantastic. You can't beat that. No, you can't. And because even like, and I hate to say it, under the Obama Biden care, you know, with the VA, it was horrible. You could never get through. There was no, you know, you always had to go like here for us and, you know, Lancaster PA, we had to go up to Lebanon. Now there's satellite branches like you can go anywhere to get, you know, help. Wow. Well, and that's wonderful to hear. A lot better. Yeah. I think that society so, as a whole, you know, I think, Chad, that we're all concerned about the way our veterans are treated now, and I think that everybody wants to see those things improved. So it's great news that it yeah. did. But, you know, Chad, you, you, oh, yeah. you are uh, uh, the epitome 
15 years and four tours defending our company. So I want to thank, thank you, Chad. You. For your it was long. <laughs> and not for your service, buddy. I'm thanking you for your sacrifice, which is more. You know ah, that. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, go yeah, back. Thank you. Go back to your saw. Try to stay dry out there, and, and hopefully you'll be behind the bar really soon. <laughs> but thank you, buddy. Yes, definitely. I would like to be back. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, Cole. Uh, Ray is a fan who requested that we call his good friend Brian Towie. And apparently Brian was involved in passing a VA Accountability Reform Act that he authored himself. So this is a, this is a pretty cool guy. So we're going to call Ray, who's Brian's friend. I'm going to ask Ray to just be quiet in the background, and then we'll give a surprise call to Brian. This is Ray. Ray, John Taffer here. <laughs> How are you doing? I want to give Brian a call, buddy. So here's the plan. You ready to mess around with me a little bit? I am. So uh, you told me about your friend Brian, Ray, and uh, obviously I'm excited to be able to talk to him. And he was involved in the VA Accountability Reform Act? He wrote the bill. He almost died. Um, he almost committed suicide because he was so in bad shape. And his wife walked in, told him, you need to pull yourself up. We have four kids. We got to raise. I can't do this by myself. And he told himself at that moment that he would get 1% better every day. Wow. And so this VA, there was a loophole, and it, he just got destroyed financially. And he swore to God that he would never allow another veteran to get to have to go through what him and his family went through. So he put a team together. He, he learned how to write a bill, and he's been working on this for four years. And yesterday, the Senate bill was introduced on the Senate floor, and it's already passed the House. So he, this is his bill. It's called the tally bill. Yes, sir. Wow, that's unbelievable. So I'm sure the Senate will pass it, and I'm sure President Trump will sign it, which is pretty darn exciting. Yes. So does Brian know I'm going to yes. be calling? Yes, I told him to okay. pick up when that phone number came. Great. Well, let's, so. I'm going to have Corey give him a call. I'm going to conference the three of us together, but uh, uh, sort of uh, 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 stay in the background for a minute or two. I want to congratulate him and, and talk to him for a minute or so. Okay, Ray? You got it. Thank you for everything you do. And I love your shows. And you're just so inspiring. Hello? Brian. Yes. John Taffer here, my friend. How are you? Good. Good to talk to you. You know, I was talking to Ray and uh, your buddy Ray, okay. who, who told me your story, Brian. And, and I just wanted to take a minute. You're on my podcast right now. And, you know, I heard your story, buddy, of, of, uh, you know, I've worked with VFW, and I've worked with a lot of, uh, of military organizations, Marines, sailors, soldiers, uh, dealing with PTSD okay. and, and, and transforming back to civilian life and such. And I heard your story, Brian, and I was blown away by it, buddy. Completely oh, yeah. blown away. So you put together Tally Team. And first, let's talk about your service, Brian. Where did you serve? Um, I was in Okinawa. I was in Camp Lejeune. Um, I was in Pelton uh, wow. and a bunch of other, you know, smaller type countries and stuff like that. I, I served about five years active duty. Wow. And you came back home and, and like many, there was some, some str struggles, right? Uh, 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 adapting back to civilian life. And I heard the story from Ray that you made a promise to yourself that you were going to get 1% better every day. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, after I got hurt in 2016, correct. Wow, how did you how did you 
inspire yourself uh, from that low point to, to start moving up? What was it that you found in yourself, Brian, that you could share with us that inspired you? I, my family, you know. Bingo, um, Bingo right? Yeah. yeah, my family and, you know, and uh, just trying to find a sense of purpose, you know, you know, again, and, uh, you know, like I said, I promised myself I'd get 1% better every single day and, uh, you know, become the man that I once was, and you know, through, you know, strength and dedication and determination and perseverance and resilience, you know, I've, you know, done that and, uh, you know, I've come a long way over the last five years. Well, you've become a lot more than the man that you were. So you wrote the VA Accountability Reform Act, and I want Americans, not only veterans, to hear how amazing this is. So you learned how to write a bill what it looks like, how to format it, and sat down and started to write the the uh, uh, VA Accountability Reform Act. Is that true? Yeah, so I got hurt really bad in uh, 2016 due to VA uh, medical malpractice and uh, gross negligence. And uh, damn near cost me my life. It, you know, I ended up losing almost everything, my life savings, you know, everything like that um, due to no fault of my own. I had a bone-eating staph infection that was eating my spine and my internal organs for about oh. four months before they found out what happened. Just got thrown a lot of pills and a lot of injections, pain injections, and, you know, ended up losing my livelihood. And I sat in a chair for, for years. Um, and then, like I said, one day I got up, got start, started getting 1% better every day. And uh, pretty much the law that essentially ruined my life, um, uh, I, I didn't end up getting any recourse um, uh, from the VA due to a law that was written 74 years ago. And that's where I promised myself that I would dedicate my life toward uh, effectively changing the very law that ruined my life uh, so no other veterans and their families ever have to go through the hardship that my family and I went through when the thousands uh, you know, of others uh, before me. Um, so I didn't have a congressman um, in San Diego area uh, because Duncan Hunter was excited for, you know, he was stripped of his duties and uh, he was no longer our congressman. So I put together my own online legislative team, drafted a bill and delivered it to Congress, walked the halls, um, uh, you know, of, of Congress urging lawmakers to change this outdated law that destroyed the lives of veterans, their families for generations. And over the last uh, 18 months, I've had four bills introduced in Congress. I actually had one uh, just introduced again yesterday in the Senate. Uh, so, yeah, we've got four bills, um, three in the House, one in the Senate. And uh, we're getting closer and closer every day to ensuring the rights and the protections of all veterans and closing this 74-year VA legal loophole that, like I said, just destroyed and dishonored veterans and their families for for far too long. So I'm doing my part to um, to bring transparency and accountability back to the VA. Wow. And I'm guessing the Senate will pass it, I've got to believe, and I'm sure President Trump will sign it before he leaves office. And, and you know, it's amazing, Brian, when you put your mind to it, what you want to do. You're the epitome of what service is. You're, you're the epitome of what caring for someone else is, about making everybody's lives better. I mean, your contributions to defending your country and now making your country better <clears throat> are what should define your service. Very special, Brian. I'm very proud to be able to talk to you today, buddy. And I think with, with your bill, your, your, your energy and the work that started, thank God, the past couple of years, we've started progress on VA, that, that hopefully you will change the lives of so many other Marines. 
So, uh, oh, yeah. congratulations, well, buddy. My mind, but... How are you Thank feeling? Thank you so much. I appreciate the call. How are you feeling now? I want to hear, hear how are you feeling? Um, you know, I, you know, I live with a lot of permanent pain. I have a lot of issues, you know, uh, residing, you know, from, you know, from that infection I had for such a long time that yeah. ruined my spine and, you know, my bladder and some other, you know, organs and, you know, yeah. but, you know, like I said, I, I have, I have regained my self identity and I have reclaimed my purpose. I, you know, I've turned my pain into purpose. So, um, wow. being in a very horrifying state of depression and trying to get through life with pain is tough. But when you're in a happy place, it's much easier to deal with pain, uh, with physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, any pain that you may be experiencing. So today, you know, I'm doing much better than what I was all of 16, all of 17 and all of 18. And 2019 is when I started to really start making some drastic changes with my health and with my mental health, my physical health. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm in a far better place now than what I was, um, you know, several years ago, dating all the way back to January of 2016. So, you know, uh, a lot of prayer, you know, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, inviting God into my life and, you know, you know, having that, that good bond with my family my children, all four of them, my wife been married 22 years. Um, uh, so, you know, what happened to me, you know, should have never happened, but, uh, you know, again, I was, you know, I felt inclined to to, you know, I was called to serve again. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, what I'm doing. And that's, well, from, from a a five year term in the military, you've turned it into a lifetime of service. So hats off to you, Brian. I'm I'm glad you're feeling better. You know, you said something that's very powerful. Pain is a lot more tolerable in a happy place and you have found a happy place. And for you, that place is accomplishment. And, and, you know, you have accomplished something that is going to touch the lives of, of millions of veterans. So, so Brian, uh, uh, God bless you. My hat's off to you. Thank you for your sacrifice, for your service, for your ongoing commitment to us, for your patriotism. And, and uh, uh, I'm sending you a hug over this microphone, buddy, because I'd love to give you a big one if I was with you. Thank you, Brian. Hey, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Bye-bye. Boy, that was fun. Brian's a heck of a guy, honestly. Yeah, well, we'll be right back with more callers right after this. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. Hello? Paul! John Taffer here. Yes. Hi there, Mr. Taffer. How are you? Great. It's, it's wonderful to talk to you, particularly on Veterans Day, my friend. Cole, I understand you and your wife, April, are both veterans. Is that true? Yes, that's right, and she's here with us today. Hey, uh, John. Hi, April. Nice to talk to you both. A husband and wife oh, veteran my- team. How awesome. <laughs> it is an awesome day. Thank you so much. We, we saw your message earlier. Um, thank you so much for honoring true patriotism on this day. Oh, boy. You know, Veterans Day is very important to me. Earlier in the podcast, I was talking about work I did uh, with the military for years, and I've never had the honor of serving, but I've been a consultant to the military, working with MWR and, and uh, uh, you know, various, uh, uh, that's which, which is Morale, Welfare, Recreation, and the Army, Marines, uh, um, uh, and the Navy. So I have a great history of not serving, but knowing all those very much who did. And Cole, you were a uh, medic. 
in the army. Yes, I was. Wow. So you were actually trying to, to, uh, uh, working in the field as a medic. I was, yep. I, I joined primarily to save, you know, I, I wanted to, to get in there and, and make a difference. Um, you know, not necessarily by, by being part of the, the assault teams or, or part of the, the violence, but by healing. Wow. And that's always been part, part of our, mm-hmm. you know, just what we are about. We're, we're healing mm-hmm. however we can. So you had medical training then before you joined? Uh, I got all of my medical training from the Army, but it was extensive, I promise. <laughs> I bet it was. Wow. And April, what did you do? I was a transportation officer with the 101st Airborne. I deployed to Iraq a couple of times with uh, the 3rd Brigade Combat Team, the Rockathons. Wow. Um, it was I'm a transition for the military, allowing women to serve on the front lines with the artillery and infantry units before we were allowed to wear that badge and go to that school. So it was an interesting time. I was the first female officer in my entire battalion of, of over 400 soldiers. Um, but let me tell you, it, it grew me. It was a time, as you remember, after 9-11 is when I joined. And, uh, you know, that's when everyone really had a sense of, of patriotism and what and it duty. meant to serve your country. Yep. Despite who your president is, you have a representation there when you're wearing that uniform. Absolutely. Yeah. As yeah, the first female officer, how were you received? Well, there was no female bathroom in the building. That was my first day. <laughs> um, and so I, I had, it was great, but they were great, you know, because no one really, you know, it just happened. And, and uh, they, so we, they made a little sign for me that I could put on there when a woman was in there kind of thing. And, That's funny. And you know what? It, they were true gentlemen. Um, you know, when you're in war, when you're in combat, you see the best, you see the worst. But it was an amazing experience for me, um, even as a female and feeling kind of a loner. Um, I had a team of brothers, a team of warriors who uh, took care of me, looked after me. I looked after them. And, and it was a great time. It really yeah. was. Boy, you know, you think about yeah. the relationships that you create when, you, when you're in the military, you know, with the people that are beside you and and. Um, I think there's some of the deepest relationships you'll create in your entire life uh, because of the True. circumstance that you go through together. And you're right. The best of yeah. you comes out and the worst of you comes out. So, mm-hmm. so, so what do you both do now? Well, uh, we're both uh, in a local band here in Richmond, Kentucky. Oh, okay. Uh, called uh, we actually met through music, which is uh well, it was on Veterans Day. It was <laughs> yeah, in 2016. We, yeah, we were teamed up for a, uh, a Veterans Day gig uh, through the CAMO organization, uh, which is the Center for American Military Musical Opportunities. Uh, it's a volunteer organization that uh, does concerts and, and benefits for uh, victims of PTSD and wow. things mm-hmm. like that. And we, we both fell right into that mm-hmm. after our, our Army careers. And that's how we met. We were that's teamed how we up met. for, uh, for a yeah. I was in that nonprofit. We were doing music therapy for veterans with trauma, substance abuse, recovery, PTSD. And that same nonprofit created Voices of Service, which took fifth place on America's Got Talent last year. And they recruited 20 service members with, with musical talent to be their backup chorus in episode 12. And Cole and I actually got recruited and sent to L.A., to perform on AGT last year. And it was just incredible to be a part of that. And the um, incredible uh, kindness and gratitude for our veterans, you know, if, if nothing else, we, we do put up with a lot, but the love we get when we get home. And let me tell you, John, it's not just about people who wear the uniform. There are families and people like yourself 
who work behind the scenes, who really make it happen, who make us feel like there's a reason why we do what we do. Uh, well, you know, we, we love you. We do. We love what you represent. We love what you've done. And I think there's an appreciation today for service in the military uh, that's greater than it was 20 years ago. You know, and, 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 I, agree. I, and yeah. I might be a couple of years older than you guys, but I can remember back, you know, in Vietnam when, when, you know, if you wore a military uniform, you were scorned upon. And, and today there's a level of respect that there should be. So, you know, it makes me so proud to hear a story like the two of yours and, you know, to hear the accomplishments. And I can't imagine the terror that you went through, Cole, on that floor. And, and, and I can't imagine the pride when you save a life and how powerful that is. And you're right. Uh, uh, to think that if you have a choice of taking a life or saving a life, you certainly made, made the right choice, that's for sure. But I'd like to think so, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was the one willing to carry the weapon, and he was the one on the other side waiting to save me, right? <laughs> right. So you sort of kept no, each other in business. Yeah, right. There we go. Exactly. Definitely need one well, if you have the others. Well, I want to thank you both for your service and for the sacrifices that you've made on behalf of our country. I want to thank you for your patriotism. I want you to know that I love you and what you represent and what you've done, and it means so much to me and, and, and to, to America. So I hope that Thank today you. is a special day, and I hope that when you hang up this phone, you give each other a big hug and congratulate <laughs> each other for, for living a life that's so worth living. Thank you. Thank you Thank both. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Sean. Sean, this is John Taffer calling. <laughs> Hello, sir. Good to talk to you. Uh, it's good to talk to you, buddy. So Julie reached out to me. Do you know what happened? So we put a post out that we wanted to talk to spouse, friends of fans who are veterans. So Julie reached out to me, told me about your four combat tours, buddy. And I just wanted to call you. It's Veterans Day. I wanted to talk to you for a minute. Thank you for your sacrifice and your service and say hello. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. Thanks for the thanks for the call, John. Really really appreciate it. Uh, really my appreciate pleasure, it. Sean. So where did you serve, buddy? Where were your tours? Well, uh, so I graduated from West Point, and I was commissioned as an officer into the infantry. And my uh, my duty station was at Fort Drum, New York, sure. way in upstate. Sure, been there. And uh, yeah, and so from there, uh, I then deployed four different times: once to Bosnia once to the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt, and then twice to Afghanistan. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, which was the toughest tour? Um, well, it, the, the first one to Bosnia, because I didn't know what, what to expect. Yeah, so we, that, you know, the, the first one was, um, uh, yeah, just because I didn't know what, didn't know what was going on. Uh, yeah. My last tour was, uh, with, I'd, I'd actually been out of the army for a couple of years and I got recalled to go do that one. And, uh, you know, as, as fate would have it, it turned out that uh, they <laughs> I was probably the least prepared for that one. And then they expected uh, a lot of me out there. They sent me to a remote outpost and wow. uh, I, I was running, you know, running my own show for, for about a year. And so, so the first one, because I didn't know what to expect, the the last one was uh if you know not to 
not to use too much business language, but the last one was was truly a capstone ex, uh, exercise. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, let me ask you, it. and I've always been curious about this, and I've never been asked a veteran this question. I'm surprised that I haven't, Sean. Do, do you get less scared each time? Does the fear wear off, or does it stay with you every day? Ooh. Well, that's it. You know, it's a good question, John, and I, and I would say – I'll answer in, in, a, in a couple of ways. Um, so first, you, you ask yourself, what are you worried? You know, what or what 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 fears do you have? Mm-hmm. And so naturally, there's there's personal fear, um, and and I you know that 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 comes and goes with uh, you know sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll tell you when I was on my last one, the. The fear that got me was being in command of, you know, just being in command of a unit of, of soldiers. The fear that, uh, you know, that I felt a lot for that one and for the other ones too, but, but especially on that one. Is the, fear the fear that you could make a mistake and, and, and impact somebody else? Is that what it was? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I couldn't imagine being exactly. an officer on a battlefield and making those types of decisions. I mean, that just blows me away to think of that. So there is there is a depth to that. And I guess at times like that, you could even be scared to act because if you act, somebody gets hurt. So I'm well, guessing those yeah, are very difficult moments when you make those decisions. Well, they, yeah, they, they can be, you're, you're right. They, yeah. they can be, uh, you know, the, you know, I, I, I will say that I, I, I received some excellent training. I, I did. I received excellent training. Uh, you know, the military was something that I wanted wanted very badly to go do and so it was it was something that i that i studied it was something that i you know i i thought about and i you know for for many years and so to i guess to your point when it comes time to make those decisions i i I believe i believe a good a good commander needs to be ready and it's not you you that the comfort with that decision doesn't come you know in one or two months or a year it, it comes over the course of time. I, I believe over the course time. of yeah it comes yeah so you're, you're different you're, yeah. sean ideally you're yeah, different you're than a lot of the uh, vets i've spoken with because you are a career guy you went to west point you chose a military career uh, uh, i've been to west point it's a magnificent place i mean if there's anything that creates military culture it would be with west point right so so, so <laughs> right, yeah. you came in as a career guy uh, looking to, looking to to really spend a lifetime in the military what inspired you to make that decision when you were young yeah well i you know and i i imagine I've, i have been asked that question before and it's it's a simple answer and I don't know a better way to put it. And that was, it was just there. And my family did not have a military tradition. Uh, I grew up in a very small town in, in Northern California. There was, which, you know, it's a little bit, uh, you know, like the, the, the hippies were still around yep, yep. and, you know, it, yeah, yeah. It, you know, I didn't grow up right outside a military base. I didn't grow up on a military base. There was, there, there was no real influence i just gotta you know it was it was there yeah. it was just there i i um i think the answer to your question it's both as simple and as deep as that <laughs> are you pr- how proud of you are, are you of your service how does it feel every day to know that you've done four tours and my listeners many of them haven't had this 
this experience in life, Sean. What does it feel like after the fact? Do you have this pride? Do you have this knowledge inside of you? Is there uh, that you've served? Is how does this feel when you look back at it as part of your life? I'm I'm very proud of it. There are I've I've had some I've had some moments of of profound enjoyment and and sense of purpose and and some of those and some of those moments have you know have come from doing from doing mundane things some of those moments have you know just just like when i was able to take a step back for instance uh you know uh walking the guard posts at uh, you know late at night um or or uh on on a on a couple of different training missions actually where i you know i, I got i you know where you, i was able for a moment just to take a step back look at the look at the soldiers look at the what we were doing and it, there is a profound sense of profound sense of accomplishment of uh of fulfillment and and yeah and and pride too yes boy i hope every veteran feels that Sean, I hope that every veteran can feel what you just said. And sometimes it worries me that they don't. Because to have done this uh, is an unbelievable personal accomplishment in overcoming sacrifices and fears. And, and, and I cannot imagine any greater sacrifice that one can make for people that you've never met than what you've done. So, Sean, I, I say yeah. this again, buddy. I hope, I hope that any veteran listening will take a moment and look back and feel that what Sean does, pride, accomplishment, purpose. And, Sean, I, I, what a better, I cannot think of a better way to end this call, buddy. So with that, I want to tell you that I thank you. I love you for what you've done. I love who you are. And I so appreciate your service and sacrifices to our country. Thank you, buddy. Well, Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I uh, I teared up for a second there when Sean talked about his pride. Mm-hmm. You know, and to think that somebody comes back from war, Corey, and they come back in one piece, and they survive the officers, they survive the, the climate, they survive the mud, the dirt, the lack of showers, the food, eating out of a can bullets flying over their heads. Uh, 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 I mean, the things that they have tolerated. And then they come back to America and some people treat them with shame. And you think about the accomplishments. You know, Corey, if you and I went out in the desert and climbed the mountain, we'd feel pretty good when we got to the top of the mountain. Yeah, absolutely. It was so rewarding to hear how Sean felt that he, 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 he is proud. He is a, and, and I hope that every veteran feels that today. Because our country is nothing without them. And I go back to the early days and I've studied history of the Revolutionary War and how they stayed up all night and how they came so close to losing. And it was on the field that our country was won. And it was on the field that the Civil War was won, our bloodiest conflict of all. And I just want to say, as I wind this podcast down, that to every veteran in America, we do appreciate you. And there are people like me that love you have your back. We're so thrilled that VA is better for you and that your lives are better. And we thank you for your service. We thank you for your sacrifice. And I personally love you and what you stand for. So thank you all very, very much. So Corey, 
Not a bad Veterans Day. Not a bad. Can I have, actually have a request from you, John? Sure. So my cousin, Jeff Hicks, he's a combat veteran from Iraq, and uh, he came back probably 10 years ago, um, and he unfortunately lost his leg in oh. combat. And today, actually, he's – I was trying to get him on the podcast, but today, actually, he's going and getting his brand-new prosthetic. Oh. Um and so I just want to know, and he's a huge fan of Bar Rescue. He talks my ear off every time I'm around him. So I was wondering if I could get a shout out for him. Of course. What's his name? Jeff Hicks. Jeff Hicks. Well, buddy, first of all, I'm very happy you're getting your new prosthetics today. Uh, I thank you for your service, buddy. And and uh, I'm going to do a little private video on Corey's phone that he'll show you later. Okay. But thank you for your service, buddy. So Corey, uh, uh, you know, for all of our veterans, uh, thank you. This is uh, um, an exciting time for veterans that VA is better. Right, more soldiers are coming home. You know, I think uh, 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 peace is wonderful, obviously, and uh, because of them, we have it, and we should remember that from strength comes peace. We never want to get rid of that strength. So I want to talk to you guys. So anytime you want to talk to me or be on a podcast, all you got to do is call eight seven seven four Taffer. Not bad, Corey. Pretty cool. We're getting mm -hmm. like big league here. <laughs> eight seven seven, the number four Taffer which is 877-482-3337. You can also reach me by email. Just send an email to podcast at johntafford.com, podcast at johntafford.com, and we'll get you on a podcast. I love talking to you, the fans. But this is a very special Veterans Day, so do me a favor. Call a veteran, email a veteran, text a veteran, say thank you. You know, we are here struggling through a pandemic, but what we're struggling through is nothing compared to what many of them struggled through. So let's just keep things relatively appropriate for the moment. The sacrifices that they made, in many cases, are far greater than the sacrifices that we're making today. Let's remember them today. Thanks. Talk to you all next week. Subscribe to the John Tapper Podcast right now for more episodes every Thursday.